1: Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. Great marriages have anger. Karen and I get angry at each other. That's not the issue. That's that's just the way it is. But we know how to get it out. Early in our relationship when we almost divorced... We had, bought, we had aged anger in our marriage that was there for years. And because of that, we couldn't talk about many things. We fought all the time. We had a cycle that we would go for a month or two and then have a huge blow up and then make up and go for another month or two. And by the time that the Lord began to heal our relationship, we were numb. We had fought so much. That's a dangerous way to live in a marriage. And so a great marriage has anger, but you don't have to deal with it. So uh, Unresolved anger causes health problems, severe health problems. University of Michigan studied people in bad marriages. They have a 35% higher incidence of disease and live an average of four years less. When you have chronic anger in your marriage that you, that you don't deal with or can't deal with, it literally causes you to live a shorter life. And it says here, four years less. Secondly, emotional problems, depression and anxiety. The clinical definition of depression is anger turned inward. The highest consumer of our emotions is anger. And we're limited in our emotions. See, if, if, if we all went outside and, and ran, we would all you know wear out at some point. Because we understand our physical energy is limited, but so is your emotional energy. Depression is when your emotions can't go any further. And you're, you've got anger in there. You've got anxiety in there. And your emotions are on a treadmill. And you wake up the next morning and you're just flat. You just don't have any emotions. After winning the Olympics, athletes get depressed. It's because there's such a sense of jubilation in what they've done that they emotionally exhaust themselves and then it takes them time to recover this is ephesians 4 two texts in ephesians 4 first of all verses 26 and 27 be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil the other text begins in verse 31 let all bitterness wrath anger clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. And so that's the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4 telling us about anger and all the ramifications of anger. Number one, don't, of dealing with anger is don't deny your anger, is admit your your anger. Uh, When you bottle up anger, there are intimidators and internalizers. Intimidators, you always know their anger because they're always angry. And their teapot whistles real quick. And so, you know, this is the way I was, is that they're intimidators. They're they're angry, and they want you to fear their anger. This is the way that I was. This is control. Part of control is I want to train you that when you cross me, you're going to pay a price. You're never going to have intimacy in that environment. That's why we didn't have intimacy. So I was an intimidator. I was always going off. I was very emotive. I was verbally abusive. When Karen made me mad, i just say whatever I wanted to say. Devastated, devastated our relationship. But then there are internalizers. And Karen was an internalizer. And so she wouldn't talk about her feelings. She would just kind of bottle up her emotions. Really was one of the reasons that I got so frustrated. I knew there was something wrong, but she just wouldn't talk about it. But every couple of months she would just explode and it would all come out that way. So we were both extremely un- unhealthy. I was doing a seminar in Ohio and there was a couple that came up to talk to me. And they were telling about their friend and their their friend uh, just left her husband. And uh, they've been married for 10 years. And her, their husband came to them and said, she never complained one time. She never one time told me anything was wrong. And she said, and then she left me and left a note telling me how miserable she was and all the things that she felt and thought. She had internalized anger toward him for 10 years, never told him, and was all over with she divorced and just left him. Okay, that's, that's kind of one of the ultimate things the devil wants for us, is for anger to destroy our love, our outlook on life, our optimism, and then for us to become hopeless in a relationship. Don't deny your anger, and there's a couple of very important things here. And First is, don't feel guilty about your anger. Let me tell you some of the reasons that we get angry. Sometimes we get angry for good reasons, sometimes we don't get angry for good reasons, but one, one reason for anger is legitimate violation. You crossed a boundary. You did something that you shouldn't have done, so I'm angry. I can get angry because of ignorance or misunderstanding. Karen is a normal woman, but when, I first, when we got, first got married, I just thought she was weird. I thought there's something. She's defective because she's not like me. And, and in my ignorance of females in the way that God calls females, have you ever tried to put your children's toys together? Okay, that makes me angry. Because whoever writes those instructions is of the devil. <laughs> and so sometimes just ignorance, you know, you get frustrated and you get angry or whatever. Immaturity. Some, sometimes I get angry because I'm just immature. I'm just, you know, kind of being a brat. Uh, sometimes it's mis- uh, unrealistic expectations. I had, I had an expectation that it would be easier. I had an expectation that, that you would change. I had an expectation that didn't come true. I, I don't know why... You know, I'm angry all the times, and sometimes my anger is illegitimate, but it's still there. Again, my feelings may not be right, but they're real. They're my feelings. I'm not going to feel guilty because I feel angry, okay? The second is to cultivate an atmosphere of honesty within your relationship. Your spouse has to know they can share anything without paying a price. Emotionally. Regular, everyday stuff. See, when we get people in counseling and people will come in counseling and they'll say this and this and this and this. And we'll say, have you told your spouse that? No, they go ballistic. And what that means is the atmosphere in our home is I'm not free to share because they've trained me that I'm gonna pay a price. So, I, so I've done it before. I paid a price. I don't feel free. Um, let me tell you about two stores. Two stores that I wanna I hate, one to love. There's, there's a store uh, that I shop at that I love and um, it, you, you know it's a big box store and they just take anything back they're the most fantastic people on earth about taking stuff back so I bought one of those leaf blowers one day from the store and I took it home and I used it for a couple of years and it broke and it was out of warranty I knew it was out of warranty and so I took it back to the store and I put it up on the counter a little gal was behind the counter there real sweet happy person and I put the leaf blower up there and I said uh, honey I want to get this fixed if you would it's out of warranty but if y'all would go ahead and fix it. And she looked at it and said, you, you bought it here? And I said, yeah, I bought it here a couple of years ago. So I'd have if you wouldn't mind getting it fixed. She said, why don't you just go get another one? I said, no, I don't want to buy another one. I said, just go ahead and fix it for me if you would. She said, go get another one. We're going to give it to you. <laughs> so I go over and get me a leaf blower, a better one than I had the first time. Go get a better one. Come put it up on the counter. She scans it and said, thank you. And I thought, I love this store. <laughs> I just, I absolutely love the store because they have a customer relations counter. And it's just such a wonderful place to go. And I feel safe buying something because they'll take it back. If I don't have my receipt, they'll take it back. If it's all beat up, they'll take it back. I just feel great about that store. Well, there's another store I don't like. And someone gave me a shirt. Uh, it was a fitted shirt. I mean, I looked at the size on the neck and it you know, was my size. And so I took it out of the box and Karen pressed it for me and I was gonna wear it. It hadn't been washed or anything. And, uh, but it was an Italian cut. And I don't have an Italian body. So (laughs) I took the shirt to the store where it was purchased from, walked up to the counter, and I put the shirt there on the counter. And I said, hey, I'd like to uh, just exchange this if I could. Uh, It doesn't fit. There was a guy behind the counter, real kind of a snobby guy. And he said, oh, the shirt's been worn. We don't take back used merchandise. I said, it hadn't been worn. I said, I got it as a gift. My wife pressed it, hadn't been washed or anything. I said, put it on took it off i would just like to exchange it if i could for another store for another shirt and he said uh the shirt's been worn i said no it hadn't been worn i said i I want to exchange it for another shirt so he went and got his manager so the manager came over never looked at me never made eye contact with me the manager came over and he said to the manager when the manager walked up this man wants a new shirt but it's been worn And so I'm just thinking, this is unbelievable. So the manager picks the shirt up and looks at it, holds it up into the light, and then starts sniffing the armpits. (laughs) He snips both armpits several times like this. And I'm thinking, you know, what a wonderful experience this is. He never looks at me, throws the shirt down and said, give him another one and walks off. And I thought, I will never come back in this store again the rest of my life. Because this is what your customer relations counter is like. See, in marriage, you have a customer relations counter. And whether you realize it or not. And your customer relations counter is, hey, what do you need? I'm going to give you a new one. I want to be your department store of love. (laughs) And if I'm doing anything, if I'm saying anything that you don't like, I want you to be able to come and complain and to have a wonderful experience for our marriage's sake. But my customer relations counter when Karen and I got married was like this. she would come and complain to me and it's like, what's your problem? What's wrong with you? There's no problem with me. See, I was so defensive. See, the four major predictors of divorce, number one's criticism is an, uh, an atmosphere of negativity. Number two is defensiveness. Not allowing your spouse the right to complain. And see, when I'm defensive, I'm not just not allowing you to complain. I'm also saying you're the problem. the reason that I'm not going to let you complain is if you would just get your act together everything would be okay number three is contempt contempt means aged anger not anger it's long term anger the longer that you're angry the more you become contemptuous at that thing that made you angry and number four stonewalling and stonewalling means don't talk to me this is when communication totally shuts down. Do not talk to me about the children. Do not talk to me about money. Don't talk to me about my behavior. Don't talk to me about this. And everything just shuts down. And so to keep to keep the communication lines open, we need to be able to say to each other, honey, complain. I may not agree. We may have to talk things out, but I'm not going to throw a fit. I'm not going to start yelling at you. I'm not going to start insulting you. We... Dysfunctional families don't talk. It's one of the hallmarks of dysfunction. There's an elephant in the room, and we can't talk about it. Functional families talk. We have, we have an ethic in our home, and that is, we speak truth. Lovingly, respectfully, we speak truth. And if there's something going on in this home, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it respectfully. We're going to talk about Here's what we're going to do. We're going to let anger in and we're gonna let anger out. It's just gonna be a natural part of the feature of our marriage, of our home. When anger shows up, it's not an enemy, it's just here. But if it stays, it's an enemy. So we're gonna talk about it, and we're gonna process it till it gets out of our relationship.
2: Hey, welcome back. We are Dave and Ashley Willis with Marriage Today, and continuing the important conversation today on how to resolve conflict and complaining, and that negativity they can permeate our marriages and turn things around. So, sweetie, what are some ways that we can do this?
0: Well, I think first and foremost, you know, we have to be willing to issue a criticism to our spouse, but it's how we do it that really will make or break us. You know, we can't go to our spouse and just be complaining about every little thing all the time because that's gonna really break them down. And how we do it, you know, if we're doing it in a negative way, in a biting way, that's gonna really hurt our marriage. But if we wanna come to our spouse and tell them a constructive criticism that they really need to hear, and we say it in a loving way, then it's going to do you know some good in our marriage because there are things that we need to work on. But I also think that it's really important that we compliment our spouse way more than we criticize our Absolutely. spouse. Because if you are in the habit of giving your spouse a lot of encouragement and compliments all the time, then when you do have a moment where you need to criticize something and you need to tell them what's going on and something that, that you know you need to, to tell them about, it's not going to sting so badly because they know that you love them, they know you're for them, and so when you tell them that criticism, it's just not going to feel like you're just tearing them down.
2: Yeah, you've got to be an encourager. The the Bible lists encourager as a spiritual gift, not yeah. critic. And oh, yeah. a lot of you think you've, you've got the spiritual gift of criticism. Like God just gifted me to notice everything wrong with my spouse, and if you try to be their biggest critic instead of their biggest encourager, man, it's going to just it's going to tear their heart apart. Yeah. The Bible says, build each other up. Don't tear each other down. Mm-hmm. And you might think, well, there's just not a lot to build up. I'm just being honest. I'm just calling it like I see it. But what happens usually is we're not really seeing things as they are. We've trained our mind to focus in on the negative instead of the positive. A little exercise we do at the exo marriage conferences sometimes we'll ask the, the audience, say, okay, I want you to look around for as many red items as you can find in five seconds. Look for red purses and shoes and exit signs, anything red you can find. And then I'll say, okay, close your eyes. We're gonna see how perceptive you really are. Now, out loud with your eyes closed, I want you to tell me everything you just saw that is the color blue. And people usually laugh and don't say anything. And then I say, open their eyes, and I'm usually wearing a blue shirt. And I'll say, I've been standing in front of you this whole time wearing blue, and you didn't see it. And the reason why you didn't see it is the reason we don't see most things. You were looking for something else. Right. Jesus said, seek and you will find. The active Greek verb tense is, seek and keep on seeking, and that's what you'll find. So the opposite has to be true as well. Whatever you're not seeking, you're not likely to find. If you've trained your mind to only see your spouse's flaws, it's all you're gonna see. But if you train your mind to start seeing the good, the things to point out, to celebrate, to say thank you for, man, you'll see it everywhere. And so train your mind to see the good. It's not that there's never a place like Ashley said to point out important constructive criticisms, but let your default mode be that of an encourager.
0: It's so true. And you know, when our spouse does come to us with a criticism, we need to assume that they are doing this because they love us. And I think if we have a posture of thinking, you know, of being defensive and thinking they're just doing this to try to hurt us, that's going to end up in a fight. But if we think our spouse wants what's best for us, they're for me, they're for the marriage then we won't see it like it's, it's a cut to us. We'll see it as something that can help us to grow. And usually it will help us to grow. And we really should take it to heart because who knows us better than our spouse? And if they have a concern about us, then we really should listen and we really should try to make the proper changes that we need to make.
2: I think like Ashley was saying, a lot of this comes down to just assuming the best in each other. Yeah whenever your spouse comes to you with the criticism, assuming the best, they're telling me this because they love me. Mm-hmm. And and when you are, are criticizing, assume the best in your spouse. You know what? Right. They don't know. They're not doing this intentionally to hurt me. Uh, I assume that they want the best things for you. And just okay. that mindset will change the conversation.
0: And as long as we continue to approach each other with a tone of respect and love, whatever we say is gonna fall on better, more open ears. And so always go to your spouse with, with a heart, and, and an intent to love them and to, to see the best in them and to improve in yourself and with them and as a whole in your marriage. And when you do that, you both are gonna grow stronger. You know, We'd love to continue this conversation with you, so please join us and add your comments at marriagetoday.com.
1: We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and we wanna let you know about another marriage podcast with Dave and Ashley Willis called Naked Marriage, where they talk about real and raw marriage topics like sex, communication, openness, and more in a fun, lighthearted atmosphere. Search for Naked Marriage with Dave and Ashley Willis in iTunes and start listening today.